Hello, hello. Welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back this week with today's episode. Today's episode is really exciting. So tomorrow, this episode is airing on April 21st, 2021, and tomorrow is actually Earth Day. And I wanted to take a moment and celebrate Mama Nature by having a special guest on the show. So this is kind of breaking away from our normally scheduled <laughs> scheduled plan. And today's guest is his name is Dominic Tinio. He also goes by the name DA. That's how I know him anyway. And he's the environment restoration manager for Burning Man Project. And he has such an interesting job. He is in charge of cleaning up the Burning Man event that happens out in the Black Rock Desert. And we discuss all things restoration, sustainability, leave no trace, which is one of the principles of Burning Man Project. And we really go into his story of how he got into the leave no trace effort through the Burning Man event. And 20 years later, how he has shaped and formalized the leave no trace program how he actually cleans up after the event. Spoiler, it is part of the participant's job as well to pack it in and pack it out, pack out what you bring. And then he recently did an event called the Moopathon where he walked for 88 miles in 10 days from Wadsworth, which is a very small town off of Highway 80 on the way to the Black Rock Desert, all the way to the Black Rock Desert, and he picked up MOOP, which stands for Matter Out of Place. And so he tells us a little bit about that experience and how it felt to just be alone on the side of the highway, picking up MOOP, and so many other things along the way. (laughs) So I am just so, so excited to have the guest on the show today. He is such a fun storyteller, and his job is so interesting, and he's been on um, a lot of different sustainability panels and um, involved in a lot of sustainability work. So we get into leaving the shame and the blame behind for sustainability and making it sustainability more sustainable for all of us. So I'm really excited about it. And for today's check-in, I usually do a check-in before every episode. I just wanted to share kind of my inspiration for having him on the show. So I was deeply involved with Burning Man Project for about three years, and I got to learn so much from that community and the event itself. And one of them was ritual, and ritual is such an important part of the event. Uh, Every year, there's an effigy created and burned at the end of the week. That's the actual man. And there's so many other rituals that go along with the event from just even like packing, like personal rituals to the actual event. Once you get there, you like ring this bell if you're, you know, apply a virgin and you make a little dust angel and really like wholeheartedly be embraced just being out there in the dust. And all of these rituals, like I really started embracing just the idea of rituals. And more recently, I've really been honing my spiritual practice. And I think rituals are a huge part of spiritual spirituality, spiritual practice. And part of my spiritual practice has been doing meditations to connect with the energy of the earth. And this energy is like a really cleansing energy. 
And I've like really been enjoying doing these meditations, you know, find them on Insight Timer or um, I actually had a practitioner send me texts to use for one of these meditations. People use grounding cords to connect mama nature. And you can like whatever style you're using, whether it's like a root or whatever it is. I just think this energy and connection to earth, earth nature, mama nature is so powerful And I found it really helpful just in my own practice to be connecting to earth energy. And I've actually had a lot of practitioners tell me, especially with health-related stuff, to just go out and experience nature. And I'm sitting here in San Francisco, (laughs) concrete jungle. I have a few trees in front of me, but, you know, not like a, you know, not like a forest or like a whole ecosystem of, of nature. So I love this idea of nature as a remedy or nature as medicine. And that just really struck me as important doing these meditations that we are all, you know, we're, we're taking an earth energy and we're also healing earth. And so the idea of sustainability and leaving no trace as much as possible and trying to be as aware and cognizant of how we're treating this earth as possible, as much as possible just came to me. And I just really thought that DA would be the perfect person to have on the podcast to talk about this because he spends all his year planning to clean up and then actually cleaning up a huge event. And so, and this event is out in nature. This event, it takes place on Bureau of Land Management land. There's a lot of restrictions on how the environment can be treated and what is allowed to be left after the event is over. And so his practice, we learned today that like his practice has an impact on how he approaches sustainability back at home. So I am just so delighted to have him on the show. I really learned so much from him, you know, even though I've heard him speak and (laughs) watch him work for several years, like just having this sit down conversation and hearing him talk so vulnerably about it was so amazing. So I hope you're inspired by this episode in being conscious about how we're treating the earth, but then also making it sustainable, setting aside blame and shame, and really just being patient and knowing that we're all in this together and the technologies are coming. They're on the way and it's going to be a slow process. Sometimes I get so frustrated by patience. (laughs) All right. So I mentioned something last week about my new coaching practice that I have available. I just wanted to give a quick announcement of that before we get into the episode. But yes, I have coaching sessions available if you're interested. They're based on shadow. So if you want to work on your shadow around money, relationships, or fertility, you can book a session with me. They're all pay what you want right now. They're all donation-based. So you can visit my website to book. Book. It's sarahcohan.com. That's S A R A H C O H A N.com. And on the menu bar, you'll see a button that says coaching, and you can book a session with me there. I also have a few more exciting announcements. The first one is I will be launching a membership program very, very soon. 
The membership program is going to include weekly community calls. These are like vulnerability calls. And this has been such an important part of my own personal growth. So I'm really excited to have these within the membership. And it will also include a monthly workshop hosted by any one of the podcast guests here on Let AF. We've had um, just a stellar lineup on the pod. So I'm really excited to announce who those workshop hosts will be. That'll come shortly. And then there's going to be some other fun things like discounts on in-person events, which will hopefully be starting very soon. (laughs) And then discounts on merch. So if you're interested in um, learning more about that membership, you want to be the first to know about it, you can sign up for my email list. Just visit sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com and hit the subscribe button and you'll be signed up to the email list and you'll be the first to know about it. And then the last announcement that I have, I'm so excited about this, is the Lit AF podcast officially has some merch. So if you're interested in getting your own Lit AF mug, tote bag, sticker, cell phone case, whatever you need, we got it. Okay, that's not true. We have limited items in the shop, (laughs) Um, but they've got some really fun things on them, like a mug that says, meditate, journal, fuck shit up, repeat. I am just so, so, so excited about this merch. If you are interested in supporting the podcast and having a little Lit AF mug of your own, you can visit shop, S-H-O-P, dot sarahcohan.com. And once again, that is S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. Thank you so much. Those are my updates for this week. Um, I'm so excited to be announcing those. They've been a long time coming. And without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with DA. Welcome to Lit AF, DA. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm going to introduce you really quick. You're a man of a few names, Dominic Tinio, a.k.a. DA, a.k.a. Dark Angel, which we're going to talk about. He is the Environment Restoration Manager at Burning Man, and I'm so, so, so excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. It's great to be here. So I originally invited DA on the show because tomorrow, this is going to air on April 21st, and tomorrow is Earth Day. And I think just this year has been this really interesting collective reframe of how important the environment is to us, how we're all living within our environment. And we really do need to pay attention how we are treating mama nature. And so DA has, I think, one of the most interesting jobs in the entire world, which is literally cleaning up the aftermath of Burning Man out in the Black Rock Desert. He really makes cleaning up all of this stuff. Interesting when he talks about it. And I myself have learned so much about how to be mindful of my waste and also just be mindful of how I am literally treating the earth. So we're going to get into that today, but that is just why I wanted to have you on the show. And I just can't wait to dig into all of this. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Yay. Thanks for having me. Let's do this. So give us a little bit of your overview of what you do for Burning Man Project. Yes, I'm the Environment Restoration Manager for Burning Man. Uh, my crew, I do have help <laughs> cleaning up the, the Black Rock Desert, is, uh, is about 175 people. Burning Man is 
an 80,000 person event in the Black Rock Desert. One of its core 10 principles to being part of the Burning Man community is agreeing to leave no trace. And this is a principle that was holding space for bigger vision of sustainability and in our environment and our relationship to the environment. So as Burning Man set foot onto the playa, the, the formal is burnt, the Black Rock Desert, been known as the playa forever, is a beautiful landscape. And there's just, it's an expanse of nothingness, of just dust. And once upon a time, it was part of ancient Lake Lohontan, which stretched from here in Nevada to Utah. And it was massive. And you look at the mountains, you could see the waterline. The Black Rock Desert is the bottom of a, an ancient lake bed. I mean, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Jersey. My parents are from the Philippines. Like, I didn't really grow up camping. I grew up in the 70s, and it wasn't what I did. It really wasn't until I, I went out to Burning Man my first time in my early 20s that I really connected with the expanse, the outdoors. I set foot on the playa for the first time, and I was like, this is so beautiful. Nothing. <laughs> like, look at all this beautiful nothingness. It was like, it was so beautiful to me and humbling, you know, and, and all of a sudden, like, just that scale in my space and in this world just became really apparent. I hadn't, I never had that much nothing in this around me before, surrounding completely. And it was kind of awe-inspiring. And then I didn't expect, I, you know, I went to the burn and, you know, Burning Man's known for its fire and arts and community. And you know, at the time in like the, the late nineties, it's what people just kind of saw as this crazy thing, you know, this fire and arts, and you went out into the middle of nowhere and built a city. And then the last thing I knew about it, you know, in large part was because of, you know, it's not the first thing that the media focuses on when they talk about Burning Man. <laughs> they don't talk about trash? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the secret underlying aspect of it was the community's commitment towards leaving no trace, which was like the big aha moment for me. You know, when I realized that, how does this event happen? It's like this big, crazy fire and things burn. But the aha moment was that Burning Man was kind of this like massive flash mob that happened in the desert where it's like, we're going to run out <laughs> to the desert. We're going to make this city happen. We're going to build this city real quick. And then we're going to like burn it down. And then we're going to clean it up and make it look like it never happened. Never happened. And I love I was that. Just like, oh, it was like just struck in, in my brain by lightning. And I'm like, oh my God, this is beautiful. And it was like I was let in on the big secret, you know, and just goes deeper. And it was interesting, like that that understanding just kept getting deeper and deeper. And then I was invited out after my fourth year of Burning Man, which would have been 2000. I was invited to be part of what was then known as the cleanup crew, which is uh, a crew on the Department of Public Works of Black Rock City, which mimics city infrastructure. We were the department in the city that built the city and also made sure that it went away. So the, the principle of leaving no trace was to be practiced by all the community, all the participants, any, everybody who came. And by that point, we were probably something like 25,000-ish people. And so I got invited to be part of the cleanup crew. And there I was, there was like 30 of us <laughs> in just standing out in the desert. This is after everybody's gone. This is after all the big structures, everything. This is like the final sweep. We are the last eyes of this 
big, beautiful black rock desert. And as far as we can tell, we can't see anything. What would probably be trash or anything like leftover. All that is, has been picked up. Now this is like details. But it, and it wasn't until you walked every square foot that you started to see what we call matter out of place or commonly known as moop. This is our word for anything and everything that doesn't belong matter out of place, everything in its right place. So if you were walking on the desert and you found a cigarette butt, that cigarette butt doesn't belong there. Pick that up. And the easy thing about the Black Rock Desert is there's nothing there other than the Playa dust. So it becomes really apparent that that thing doesn't belong there. If you dropped, you know, you picked up a pen, you see some, uh, a, a feather, a sequins or something like that, like that, none of that belongs there. So we, we pick it up. Therefore, when we point at it, it's like, it's moop. And the interesting thing about moop is, so if it's matter out of place, what is its right place? So first off, it needs to get picked up off the ground. Second, it needs to go to the right place. So that could be the trash, could be recycling, could be compost, could be. So then you that gets into the, the, the deeper level of like the waste streams and being conscious of like where the waste is going and making sure it goes to its proper place. I was initially drawn to getting it off the ground and restoring, making sure that the, the Black Rock Desert is back to its pristine nature. And what we could tell by walking through Black Rock City uh, that had just had 25,000 people back in 2000 was that people cared. We knew that much. We knew they cared because we knew there'd be way more moop if people didn't care. And I think in some ways, like the general mainstream of the world, when you look at other events, sometimes those places are trashed. You know, when you think about big music festivals or things like that, people are just throwing things on the ground. And that seems to be the default mainstream. That perspective seems to be projected unfairly onto us because we do something pretty extreme. So people have a hard time imagining that because we burn, so burn, you know, we have this giant campfire <laughs> that that happens to look like an effigy of a stylized man that, you know, it's just this chaos happening and that we must not be caring about anything. And we're just throwing trash around or something and not picking it up, which is farthest from the truth. It's the, our principle of leaving no trace that empowers us to be there and knowing that any impact is going to be addressed and, and undone. So you will never know that that campfire was there, <laughs> that giant campfire was there, um, that we have protected the Black Rock Desert. And you will never know that the city was, was there at all. And so that became the fascinating part for me. But getting back to my first year and we were leading up an inspection with the Bureau of Land Management because it takes place on um, public land. They test us to make sure that there is less than one square foot of debris per every acre on average. That one square foot per every acre, that equals 0.002%. Damn. There's a method and it's hard, but it's doable. But it's 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 pretty intense, and I mean, I I like being like we are a leave no trace event. People are like, oh, you know, leave no, you know, you guys leave no trace, you know. But point zero zero two and is a big deal, and something that Fuck burners yeah. are really proud of. And I hope, you know, I love like the if the the mainstream like just kind of really started to catch on to that because I don't think anybody else is held to that standard 
and and can even comprehend that. Oh yeah, so I'm just going to jump in really quick and define how this leave no trace shows up for just participants. So everyone that's coming to the event is also hauling away the trash that they bring to the event, which as a participant makes you really think about what are what trash are you intentionally bringing to this event? So already your mindset from the beginning is like Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and take you know like I'm I'm gonna take the easiest type of packaging. I'm gonna be really conscious of what I'm actually bringing with my stuff and my body because I'm gonna have to bring it home with me, right? And then you're really conscious of sorting because there's a recycle camp in town in Black Rock City where you can bring your your cans and recycle them, which means less waste for you to bring home, right? And then you you got to have your trash ready, ready to go <laughs> in your spot and have a plan for it, which is so different from the way that I lived the rest of the 51 weeks or 50 weeks of my life because I've already... I've already got the, you know, I'm just not even thinking about how much waste I'm putting out because I've got my can outside that I can bring out to the sidewalk. So it's just a, a much more intentional way of thinking about waste, which is really cool. So I just wanted to define that for, for like, there's this crew that's cleaning up, but it's not just that it, that's like the end. That's like the stopgap at the end. Like people are already trying to thoughtful about their waste before they even get there. Yeah. Thank you. You know, somehow it's like, I just, tackled the math part of it first and language is the most complicated part but it's like really the principle of leaving no trace precedes this whole effort and that this community comes to the black rock desert with like knowing that they are going to leave no trace that they are going to whatever they bring they're going to make sure it leaves they're going to look at their camp area and they're going to make sure there is nothing there that it looked like they it didn't even happen so one of the sayings is pack it in pack it out and then leave no trace is really that 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 final pass over it this whole experience changed my outlook i didn't expect i didn't start off as some big crazy environmental like you know passionate environmentalist it dawned on me that I loved this process. <laughs> like when I was walking in the desert and, and helping and, and picking in the process of picking up matter out of place that might've been missed. And it wasn't because people threw anything on the ground. Everybody, like people miss things. And then we also have that degree of difficulty because we're on a desert and it is dust. Every piece of move that I had ever picked up off the ground was like in essence, some kind of trophy. It was something that made me really proud because if I wasn't there, that would <laughs> That would, you know, that would have been missed and that would have been showing up on the test or something like that. But beyond that, it's what we, leaving no chase is what we should do. And it really changed my outlook about what I bring anywhere in the world or anything that I do. But that was, for me, the gateway to sustainability. Leaving no trace was the the gateway to sustainability towards other aspects of whatever. And sustainability is so big. It's so big and it's like, it can get really complicated and it gets overwhelming. And, you know, there's these existing technologies that we're racing towards. We need to make the new thing happen uh, in order and make the old thing obsolete. So whether we're talking about solar, you know, especially like, so I'm looking at solar, you know, it's like, we're like getting off of gas, fossil fuels, but it started for me with, with leaving no trace. Oh my God. I love that so much. That's so beautiful. Oh, well it's impacted. I'll just share how it's impacted me. So it actually like the leave no trace principle 
impacted me before I even stepped foot, a year before I stepped foot on the playa. My really good friend, Yanni, I'm just going to name him, hey Yanni, uh, was coming back from Burning Man, his first burn. And all my friends truly, and I think this is a pretty mainstream concept, thought that it was just like this big desert rave, right? And you're going to party. And that was that was my inroad to Burning Man. There's several inroads that was just one of them. And he came back and I was just like, tell me everything. Like, I want to hear like, uh, like from start to finish, what's your experience? And while we're talking, we're at decompression here in San Francisco, which is a Burning Man event or like a Burning Man style event to decompress from your experience from the actual Black Rock City. And we're smoking cigarettes while we're talking. And he's like, yeah, you know, it was so awesome. He's like trying to explain it, which is always the hardest thing. And as we're talking, I put my cigarette out on the ground as I have done. I mean, I was a smoker for like 20 years. I've done that my whole life. Like I've just been putting the cigarette out and then would just forget it thinking like, oh, the street sweepers got it. Like it's fine. Right. And he just looked at me and he and I have like have been friends for years. Like he's seen me do this before. He goes, Sarah, we don't do that anymore. Like, like actually the leave no trace principle is that you, you have to take your cigarette butt with you. So you're carrying around like a can or an Altoids tin or like a little like packet of cigarette butts because they're not, they're not allowed to go on the lake bed. Like it, the community is not okay with that. Like you are required to be really cleaning up every single thing that you're bringing. And that had such an impact on me. And I just thought, wow, okay. If, if people care that much about a dry, dusty old lake bed in Black Rock Desert, I need to care about my city that I have lived in forever that I think is so beautiful and that I've just been literally like trashing every single day, multiple times a day. And so to have that experience before I even bought a ticket to go to Black Rock Desert, the Leave No Trace principle just had this huge impact on my life of how to actually think about my place in nature and my relationship to nature. So I'm curious. I'm sure that you had these these moments, and I'm sure you've witnessed other people having these moments. So I'm curious, how has the Leave No Trace principle and just just you being in the desert, like being on that cleanup team and like being in the awe-inspiring landscape and being like realizing your place in the world, as you said, like how has the how have those moments like changed? changed your either your sustainability practices or your just like your earth conscious practices at home. I, I share like that insight with the cigarette butts. I always feel like the cigarette uh, as a off again, on again, hopefully off again, like forever smoke, <laughs> like smoke your cigarettes. I remember having that understanding on the playa of like, oh, wait, yeah, we can't put this on the ground here, you know, and it's like we're talking 20 years. We're talking like the 90s. So it was like. And it was interesting for me to think like, you know, whatever in the city, people just put them on the ground. He's put them on the ground, you know, and you have this, this, this beautiful landscape where it was like, it was almost, it, it's this obscene act if you were to put it on the ground, you know, and just put it out and leave it there. And it was just like, no, just no, like that's just wrong. And, you know, it was just, so I was always in the habit of putting them in my pocket. 
Yeah, which is kind of like kind of gross and kind of like, but we're in the desert, and I'm like, you know what? It's in my pocket. I don't <laughs> care that my pocket is going to accumulate like cigarette butts and smell like that's the price I'm paying. I'm carrying that weight. It's mine, you know. And it's like, and then I come back with like a back pocket full of cigarette butts, and then I go to my tent or my trailer and I'd empty out the cigarette butts and put it in into the trash, you know, which <laughs> would and then. You know, and I just like just dealing with it. It was like this almost this this meditation of just like this is mine, this is my impact, and it's like that was one of the first easy things. But then comes like bottle caps, things like that. Just by percentage, like cigarette butts show up, but they're not. We don't believe people are putting them on the ground, or else it would have been a lot. We think somebody like me might have been like putting them in their pocket and then did a cartwheel because they were having a blast out and they were just expressing joy. And then maybe <laughs> like a couple of cigarette butts fall out of their pocket or something. It's like something's happening. You're always shedding something. Actually, everybody's shedding just a little bit of themselves. Yes. So like a lot of, it's like, you know, if you take everything that anybody ever brought out to Burning Man, the Black Rock Desert, it's not that they're leaving it there. It's that. It's that if you you just throw everything into like the shredder and then you take out like a you know one percent of it and toss it on the you know, scatter it like and average that out. That's what we have to that's what people are leaving without being conscious of it. Like we're we're that good at, at leaving no trace that it's really comes down to what we miss. You know, but it's ultimately leaving no trace. It's a practice, you know, and it's not about shame for you know, what we missed, you know, you did your best. And I always feel like to me, like shame is just, that is not the way to go for this. I think I'm really a big believer in positive encouragement and, and feedback. And there's a million reasons why sometimes a camp or a project didn't do the best in leaving no trace. And it's not because they're bad people. It's because they might've, they missed it, you know, and, and it's hard out there in the desert. But the thing is we keep getting, better it's hard we keep getting better as a community and have been which is why we've been able to grow from like few hundred to a few thousand to twenty thousand thirty thousand forty thousand so we're at approximately eighty thousand people now people were placing bets over whether we could keep growing and keep leaving no trace and just the fact that in 2019 that with eighty thousand people which is our biggest population that we've we've had a few years in a row now but we also scored our best score on the Bureau of Land Management's post-event inspection test. We had our best score ever. Amazing. We had, we had a near-perfect score. Amazing. You know, we had like one wrong, one one inspection out of like 120. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's something to be really like, I'm like, wow. That, that was like one of the biggest tests in 2019 because we're – People were really like looking at us and our impact and we were under a lot of scrutiny. And that was a big victory. That was a big win. And it's something that, you know, we should all, you know, be proud of. Like to me, it's a testament of like really educating people before they even get there. Because like it's it's a whole process. Like you said, like things brought there are not matter out of place, but they become matter out of place when the event is over. And so it's like a huge test to have that high of a score for the 0.002, <laughs> which is just insanity, is it's that's a, a testament to how the entire process of like educating people to be more mindful is actually working so that your team can like get to this amazing space of like getting a near perfect score. 
Yeah, thank you. And you know that it's like a that near perfect score and how difficult the test is. Like this is that reputation is is starting to precede us, which is good because we've been fighting that whole like all oh, burners, you know, whatever stigma people had about burners and what they think the impact might be. We've been fighting that this whole time. Um and we want people to listen and hear that we, you know that we we do an amazing job. So last year, right around you were inspired by Earth Day, you did a walk from Wadsworth, which is for anyone that has traveled in this area, it is like where you turn off the 80 to get to Burning Man. It's the last it's not one of the last towns off of the highway. There's several more towns along the way. It's that first town that you turn off into. And you literally walked to the Black Rock Desert and you picked up Moop. And hearing you talk about this event is actually where I really learned the true definition of Moop because I always just assumed that Moop was trash, <laughs> which is it's not true. It's just not true. You've got recycling. Maybe it's compost. Maybe it's literally something that is actually reusable, but it was just in the wrong place. So I would just love to hear your experience on this Moopathon, walking 88 miles in 10 days and picking up 2,000 pounds of Moop. Yeah. And that was, and so I had a, I had a, I had a crew, I had a small crew of about uh, four people, my assistant Shana and Dumpster Coon from uh, TSA is like, oh, and Bubble Geek, you know, these are is my core crew. And it was just such a beautiful experience. Uh, just knowing I was supported out by my team. And yeah. And there I was on the first day of DA's BlackRock Moopathon and Burning Man had given me the keys to their Instagram account also. Woof! No pressure. No pressure. That's, that's what they said. No <laughs> pressure. We just have like a million followers and stuff. And and I think I was the only person to ever go live on their Instagram account, if I'm Oh my God. The other thing was I had also never personally gone live on Instagram at all. I don't think I've ever gotten live even on my own social media account. And I'm just like, oh man. So we had this kind of ambitious schedule, which we actually somewhat kept was like morning, noonish, and evening to just check in live, you know, from the highway. But also like there was a million things that could go wrong. <laughs> but also like reception, anything. And and I'm picking up Moop at the time. And so I'm like doing the selfie and I'm picking up Moop. Start of Wadsworth, you know, trying to make 11 miles a day. And I quickly fell behind in my pace. I quickly fell behind on what my targeted goals were. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, like the, like every day I was like just getting further and further behind. I think I had only, I think that first day I made about five miles. So like not even like half. And then I think the second day I also did something like maybe a little bit better, but you know, I was thinking, oh, maybe this is a mistake. Maybe this is like, this is intense. And then the move, it averaged out over time. And then I started to pick up some speed. And then I got into all of those reasons why I was doing this. You know, once I got out of the pressure of like, oh, I need an Instagram and showing people what I'm moving and walking along, but people were following along. And it was interesting turning on the Instagram live and doing a selfie and I'm picking up Moop at the same time. Yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. And you're watching people send hearts and you're watching all the viewers come in and you're like, whoa, you know, there are thousands of people with me right now cheering me on. And that was pretty beautiful and fantastic. And then the experience of walking through the desert, 
you know, in a year without Burning Man, you know, that was the most, it was like in a year without Burning Man, what is, what is the moop on the highways? You know, and it was interesting to see that, you know, when it was all said and done, like we picked up approximately 2000 pounds worth of moop. And unfortunately, the, 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 the most pervasive kind of moop was like cans and bottles that was was pretty intense for me to see when i realized i was carrying a lot of broken bottles and cans in 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 these bags but also it was really fulfilling to be picking them up you know and it says like something else towards like you know it like had this thing about like on a year without burning man it seems like bottles and cans are just like the standard norm and that was just kind of a big eye opener for me and also that moop is really heavy <laughs> it's really really heavy so um 2000 pounds 2000 pounds i mean not at one time but <laughs> yeah like you know average out over 80 miles that's a shit ton of pounds but it was beautiful like the walk you know and it's like you're you're la- you're seeing the landscape and you're just steeping in it and i'm walking and it's like every bush there might be something buried under you know in the caught in the brush and also i had a goal to make and and, uh you had to be careful to not you know you could stare off into to your right or to your left and you'll you might find things that are stuck in the bush from like a long time ago you know like plastic or something things that blow in around so it's like you have to be careful to remember that there's still a goal of getting somewhere and this wasn't about being perfect this was about gathering it's about learning and understanding and gathering you know and this and one person isn't going to just make it perfect and but i have an impact and that impact was worth 2000 pounds, you know, and I got to the Black Rock Desert on July 3rd and there were Black Rock Desert enthusiasts who passed me along the way who were honking and cheering. And that was also really great. And then me and my small crew, we, we camped out at night under the stars. And so we kind of had our just our, our, our little that was like our little taste of, of Burning Man community and um and then it was just, it was such, it was an incredible experience. And when I turned off the highway and the p- pavement gradated into gravel, which then became the dust of the Black Rock Desert. And I was live when I, when, when I was shooting and you could see my feet go from the pavement to the gravel to the dust. And then I had made it, you know, sat on the playa, just looking again at the, at, at the beauty of it all. And a friend surprised me with a cake and a bunch of, we were all like kind of social distancing outside, it's, you know, but honestly it was, and it was, it was getting to be nightfall. It was like July 3rd and I was done. I was done. <laughs> I was done. One of the Gerlach residents had cooked this dinner and then afterwards I packed up my tent and I was like, all right, everybody, you're free. Everybody's free to go. I'm going, I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm driving home. <laughs> I checked into a, 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 a hotel that actually, the local hotel in Reno, the Pepper Mill, which had a, which has hot tubs. And I, I got myself a hot tub and I soaked oh, for a couple of days because I was yes. just, exhausted. I just had to. And so it's, that's the other thing about sustainability is, just, you know, it's a practice, you know, when you push yourself, it's important to remember to still keep in mind the big picture and to take care of yourself. And when it was all said and done, we ended up raising uh, $31,000 for in Burning Man's env- environmental sustainability roadmap. And then I made sure that it actually went, I wanted to, to go towards something impactful. I wanted to go something 
that that meant something. I wanted it to say that leaving no trace was just the beginning and that sustainability is the bigger picture. So I had it go towards funding the man base going completely solar the next time Burning Man happens. So the man base is going to be running, is going to be converted and running on solar power um, from here on out whenever we have the event. That's that's the message, you know, that I wanted to send. After 20-something years of me doing Burning Man and leaving no trace, managing Playa Restoration, uh, to me, I'm like just imagining this is, I'm going to give this my all in a year without Burning Man. This is how I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I got chills hearing that story. I like almost cried just thinking about you like on your own, literally picking up bottles and cans, which are so heavy and walking so far. And I, I, I keep throughout this entire conversation, what I keep hearing is like this thread of putting down perfectionism with sustainability. And I am such a perfectionist. Like I can just picture you <laughs> like horse blinders on your path, just being like, I can't worry about the bushes to the right and the left of me. Like I got to just keep moving forward because you got to get there, right? You have to get there. And I'm just thinking like me and my own, like the kitchen is usually where I experience most of my own sustainability. And it's like, how can I drop the perfectionism and not feel that guilt and shame when I'm not doing it perfectly so that the bigger goal can be met? And I'm so curious and you've said this throughout this entire conversation of like being more encouraging instead of shaming. I'm so curious, like how can we move forward with making sustainability actually sustainable? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question. And it's happening. And I think we just, we need to support each other in the different aspects of sustainability. It's so broad. But ultimately, we got to drop some of the baggage and some of the shame that goes along with whatever tech, existing technologies you're using. So you're you're driving and you're using gas. It's like, you know, well, w- there's a plan. We're working towards it. We're <laughs> working towards, you know, electric, solar, replace the existing technologies that we have. But I don't think it does anything to shame each other out of certain things. Like, you know, I, I remember witnessing a discussion going on between a group of people where it was like, you know, we shouldn't even have met. We shouldn't even be here right now because, you know, we flew, somebody flew here. Somebody's, you know, somebody flew here and, oh yeah, well then you use all that fuel. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have used your iPhone, you know, or your, your computer, you know, what they, how, how they make those things. And it's like, well, you shouldn't be eating meat and you shouldn't. And it was just like, and I am just like, you guys, this is like a drag. This sounds like a drag. You're making sustainability sound like a drag. We're, we're blaming and we're shaming each other. And it's like, we're ultimately on the same team. These are existing technologies that we, we inherited from the earth, from these processes of science. And we've learned to get it to work for us. And we're finding how it's it hurting us. And we need to figure out the, the better ways and practice them and encourage people to practice. But it's it's not necessarily going to be just one thing. It's going to be all of the things. But everybody go practice those things and then also try to get better at the other things. You know, so I'm really good at the leaving no trace part of it. But I want to get better at the solar aspects. I want to understand better, you know, like or, or in the alternative energies. Like I, that to me is like an, a whole other level that I could learn. And, but what I've learned 
with Burning Man and, and Leaving No Trace and our success is it's been in our positivity in the community, in in support of each other and the principles. And it wasn't about shame. It was about feedback and people learning and supporting people to to do better. And those things are happening now within the Burning Man community. They're now within the different theme camps. There was just the Green Theme Camp Summit with a bunch of the different theme camps coming together and coming up with an accreditation along like different aspects of sustainability where they can they can monitor each other's progress and keep moving forward and keep attaining levels of credibility towards solving different environmental sustainability issues and meeting our goals of the 2030 Environmental Sustainability Roadmap which is also very ambitious. But the most important thing is that it's happening. To me, and I remember this actually can all goes back to the Green Man theme in 2007. Like there was this moment for me when Burning Man founder Larry Harvey asked me to work with him specifically on the theme of the Green Man for 2007, of which he wanted it to be an environmental theme. He wanted it to be channeling the Green Man mythology that there was always this channeling and connection of spirit towards earth and the environment. You know, he wanted this one theme to really be about that, to really invoke that. It was really inspiring because I was, I was now seven years into being on this crew and I'm also an illustrator, graphic designer and to actually help like channel that, like green man, that aspect of it within turning on that archetype within everyone. Like it turned on in me. Who knew? Burning Man kind of turned me on to sustainability and it like woke that part of me up. And I think that's that's happening. You know, I think that was, you know, the original intent of him when when Larry chose that theme. And then it's like we're having kind of a resurgence again now of that green manness. And then especially also even within looking at the the COVID pandemic that we're all in right now and the earth. And we're just like being, you know, the balance of things and how did this happen? And we're like, well, now we're in a pickle, you know, here we are, you know, it's like, we've been seeing these other things come down the road, but now we're like, we can't even just breathe on each other. You know, if we're going to make any good out of what happened in, in, in 2020, the year we just had, it's like, we have to learn. We have to learn and we have to move forward and, and we have to make what happened worth it. And those are and that and my hopes are and wishes and dreams are totally there that the the world can also you know wake up to that the green man within the green man within oh my god that is so beautiful and let let my story inspire you you don't have to go to Burning Man to have this experience it can be practiced very much outside of the Black Rock Desert you can do it anywhere I mean <laughs> my truck. It's probably the messiest place I know of right now. It's not the most sustainable. <laughs> you know, that's where all the move goes. I just, you know, like, we're like, wow, DA, for the cleanup manager, your uh, your truck's pretty messy. I'm just like, I don't know. It's like that's that, yeah, that's that part of it. And then also my room is pretty messy right now. But, you know, I like to blame it on like mad geniusness, you know, and like, yeah, you know, isn't that interesting how that balances out? But, you know, it should probably just keep my room a little bit <laughs> I love it but it's like you know there, there's that perfectionism you can't be too perfect either you know you're, you're exactly doing, you know, we're doing the balance because I think there's like there's a there's a burnout that can achieve like when or you can get to with trying to be perfect too perfect and it's like what does that mean it's like you know this is it's a, a bigger picture sustainability is a bigger picture it's like we're not just gonna 
get there. We're just like not going to, you know, it's like we cross the finish line, like, ta-da, sustainability. Or I'm just like, you know, or even just like when I landed on the playa, it was just like, ta-da. And I'm just like, here I am on the playa. Yep. And tomorrow's another day and the sun's going down and I'm hungry and I'm tired. I need to, I need to take care of myself, you know? And so I think just laying off the perfectionism, I think also allows us that space in, in practice. We're trying to achieve an impossible goal and we just might get there if we're, we don't get too down on ourselves and down on everybody else. Our state of mind is also needs to be sustainable. Our well-being needs to be sustainable, and which is ultimately the whole thing. Which is the whole thing. Exactly. Yes. If our well-being is sustainable, then that's going to be reflect directly in our environment. So I love that so much. This has just been the most amazing conversation. I am so inspired to just not – to just be sustainable about my sustainability. <laughs> I'm curious if there's anything else you want to share with us before we wrap up. Hmm. No, this has been, you know, I, I, I think I left it all on the table. <laughs> I just literally just, it is Love all it. out there. I am like, I am this empty vessel right now. And I am just so <laughs> thrilled. I get to hang with you and get to wrap. Yes. And just, like, just have, you know, and just have some fun and, and talk about this stuff. Cause it's like, I probably talk about this stuff in my sleep and it's so great to just talk with you and the laugh. And yeah, it's been so great being here. Thank you for inviting me for earth day oh what an honor thank you yeah what a day yes i am yes thank you for being here it's been incredible well i'm curious if you can share f- with us what is next for you remains to be seen what happens whether the event happens or not in 2021 but if it doesn't Mupathon maybe is just the beginning and also for anyone you know, out there in the world, it's like, you know, for Earth Day, you feel like going and leading your own cleanup, you know, and and I having your own kind of moopathon, please go do that. You know, it's a, I think Earth Day is a really wonderful time for us to just kind of all practice what we practice. And then I think it's important people are going to be sharing their, their practices and successes, you know, with the world via however they do on the internet and just letting people know it's like, this is a thing. This is happening. You know, so I know I'll be doing something. I don't exactly know quite what yet, but, uh, you know, maybe not exactly walking 80,000 miles, but I've got some ideas. I've got some ideas. You'll know when I do them. (laughs) I love it. Oh, so good. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I just had the best time. Oh, the best. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Lit AF. (laughs) Lit AF. Yeah. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. You never know. And of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. Until next week, visit sarahcohan.com, that's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com to find other podcast episodes. And you can find Lit AF on Instagram at it's me, Sarah Cohan, and you can also find me on Clubhouse. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, Lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week. <laughs>